Hi, welcome to Bookie, which unlock big ideas from world bestsellers in audio, text, and mind map. Please download Bookie at Apple Store or Google Play with more features. Get your free mind snack now. Today we will unlock poor economics, a radical rethinking of the way to fight global poverty. In 2020, a total of 7.8 billion people live on this planet. The difference between people's living conditions is directly reflected in income. If we roughly divide the 7.8 billion people into half poor and half rich, do you know how many rich people have the same wealth as the 3.9 billion people whose income is below the median? The answer is just the top 26 billionaires. This figure comes from Antonio Guterres, the current UN Secretary General. He called for a wider and fairer distribution of wealth and opportunity in a speech on July 18. In many cultures in the past, demeaning the poor wasn't a taboo. People often said the poor are lazy, short-sighted, and mean, and are responsible for their predicament. The opposing view is that qualities like nobility and self-improvement are equally hidden in everyone, and the poor simply lack the environment and opportunities that produce these qualities. Different beliefs have given rise to different ideas about assistance. Still, not all ideas improve the poor's situation, such as establishing free markets, calling for the promotion of human rights, giving more funding, and rejecting foreign assistance. So, what kind of aid plans are effective? In the past 15 years, to figure out the causes of poverty and what problems poverty can cause that make it difficult for the poor to escape poverty, Duflo and Bonnergie investigated deeply into 18 impoverished countries and regions on five continents to explore the causes of poverty and possible solutions. They examined the daily life, education, health, and economic situation of the poor as well as government policies and assistance from non-governmental organizations. Based on the results of randomized controlled trials, Duflo and Bonnergie put forward many practical suggestions that guide policymakers, philanthropists, and others who are committed to poverty alleviation. These suggestions are included in this book. Next, we will unlock this book in three parts. Part 1, The Health of the Poor. Part 2, The Education of the Poor. Part 3, The Economics of the Poor. It is evident that a healthy body is a prerequisite for poverty alleviation, and governments and non-governmental organizations are committed to improving the health of citizens. There are both low-cost and high-yield programs. Yet, the important factor is that the program can be implemented. Every year, 9 million children around the world die before the age of 5, mostly in South Asia and Sub-Saharan Africa. Diarrhea is a major cause of death. It kills one-fifth of these children. Usually, It's the rotavirus that causes diarrhea in children, and relevant vaccines are thankfully being developed. However, before a vaccine is developed, we already have two solutions, purifying the tap water to cut off the transmission of the virus and using an oral solution to prevent dehydration. However, neither disinfectant nor an oral solution is widely used. In Zambia, It only costs 18 cents to buy disinfectant for a family of six to use for a month, and 48% of children can therefore be protected from diarrhea. Yet, only 10% of households use disinfectant. In India, only one-third of diarrhea patients under five years old take an oral solution. 
Most mothers do not believe an oral solution can cure their children. They prefer antibiotics or intravenous injection. One nurse told Duflo and Bonnerjee that mothers who were given a pack of oral solution never returned to the hospital. Do these people care nothing about the health of themselves and their families? Of course not. They not only care but also have invested a lot of resources in their health. However, they usually spend money on expensive treatments rather than cheap prevention. They will ask a doctor to use antibiotics, or they will ask to have a surgery that is too late to make any difference. The question is, why don't they choose cheap and efficient precautions? In other words, what prevents them from picking those low-hanging fruit? Let's look at how an experiment illustrates this question. Take the vaccine for example. In 2003, a non-governmental organization Seva Munder set up its medical team in Udaipur, India to improve vaccination rates in villages in that area. They carried out extensive advocacy and held regular monthly medical activities. As a result, in villages with active medical teams, the vaccination rate of children rose to 17% compared with 6% of the control group. This is a significant improvement that was free of charge and convenient. We can't help but ask, what about the 83% of parents who didn't bring their children to receive the free and high-quality vaccination provided by Seva Mundir? Duflo and Banerjee persuaded the CEO of Seva Mundir to do a simple experiment. Each inoculation would be rewarded with two pounds of dried beans, and completing the entire vaccination process would be rewarded with a set of stainless steel plates. 30 medical teams with bonuses were established. As a result, the vaccination rate in villages where these teams were located rose to 38%. Moreover, neighboring villagers within 6 miles would also bring their children for vaccination. How do you explain this fact? This may be because people have different views on the present and the future. The present is influenced more by sensibility and immediate desire than the future. Psychologists call this time inconsistency. Poor parents may understand the benefits of vaccination, but these benefits don't have an immediate effect and require immediate payment. Parents may decide to spend money on things that are more important to them. As a result, the vaccination is delayed day by day. Yet, two pounds of dried beans is a reward that parents can get immediately, and it offsets the cost of vaccination, such as income from a half-day's work. If this explanation is correct, we can use fines, rewards, or other methods to encourage people to carry out actions that they yearn for but repeatedly delay. This method is called a nudge. The key to the problem is to design nudges suitable for the social conditions of developing countries. One way to nudge is to set default options that benefit most people. Let's talk about disinfectant. If you live in Zambia, it's possible that using water is not as convenient as where you are now. Simply turn on the tap and get it done. In Zambia, your default option is to buy disinfectant against the scorching sun or heavy rain. Then you should drop the right dosage of disinfectant into the water every time before using the water. This could be very troublesome. Michael Kramer, the economist who shared the 2019 Nobel Memorial Prize in Economic Sciences with Duflo and Bonnerjee came up with a nudge with his colleagues. They installed a free chlorine dispenser called One Turn Next to the Well. Therefore, every villager who came to fetch water could get purified water with one turn. 
Kramer and his colleagues made the chlorine dispenser the default option for villagers. In all randomized controlled trials, the intervention method has proven to be effective and the cheapest way to prevent diarrhea. Thus, a nudge is a good way to promote actions. Are there cases where a nudge doesn't work? Of course. If parents don't believe in vaccines role but unfounded traditional ideas, the promotion of vaccination will face huge resistance. Although medical research has repeatedly confirmed vaccine safety, many Americans and British people still refuse to vaccinate their children against measles because they believe vaccines cause autism. Even people in developed societies think so. It's easy to imagine the difficulty for poor people to make correct judgments. Poor people have no chance to go to school and no access to basic physiological knowledge and lack reliable sources of information. Although information alone is not enough to change a person's behavior, we should explain to everyone especially the poor why vaccination is so important and why we should insist on completing the entire vaccination process. This is all for part 1, the health of the poor. Poor people care about their health but often fail to spend their money in the right place. They have little chance to get reliable information. Even if they make the right judgment, they will repeatedly delay implementing their ideas because of a lack of conviction and pressures they face in the present. This situation can be improved by conveying scientific information and nudging. We must realize that the difference between ourselves and the poor is very small because our lives are full of various invisible nudges, such as clean tap water, universal vaccination, and unemployment insurance. We don't need to think about these nudges or make decisions on our own. However, these are the problems the poor have to face all the time. Today we are just sharing limited content. To unlock more key insights of world-class bestseller please download our app. Just search for B-O-O-K-E-Y at Apple Store or Google Play. Get your free mind snack now.